This is Oscar Bait. Introducing your hosts, Jenny Townsend and Natalie Tanchik. Hello and welcome. We're your hosts, Nat and Jenny. You're here for another thrilling episode of Oscar Bait. And coming up on the show today... We take you through the Golden Globe and SAG nominations. That's right. Things are really starting to heat up now. It's kicked off. And we're also going to take a look at the high-octane true story rush. As well as taking a trip through Oscar history as we explore discontinued and rejected categories. Poor baby. But first, to the news. You want to hear some great news? The Golden Globe nominations are out, which means we are really starting to get close to Oscars season. Uh, The Golden Globes are part of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association's awards. Uh, The Hollywood Foreign Press Association is a group of journalists, uh, foreign journalists based in LA, and they cover um, American entertainment news on a global scale. So for the rest of the world. So it means that... The Golden Globes are kind of like a global Oscars. So it's not the most definitive indicator of what will be nominated for the Oscars, but it's a pretty good indicator. It also has a a pretty good track record of choosing the right thing. (laughs) (laughs) So whereas the Oscars might get sort of wrapped up in the pomp and circumstance of a certain movie uh, by patting themselves on the back... The Hollywood Foreign Press and the Golden Globes will sort of pick something that's actually worthwhile giving a nom- prize yeah, to. Absolutely. Uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler will be hosting the awards again for the second year in a row. They did so well. They were signed on for another four years, I think, four after years. last year. <laughs> I would like to see them host the Oscars. I think that's that's the point that we have to get to, but... We'll have to wait. Dream on. We'll have to wait. Um, the the nominations are looking pretty good. They're looking pretty spot on as far as the prediction and buzz is going. I think the director nominations are exactly spot on. The nominations for Best Director we have here are um, Alfonso Cuaron for Gravity, Paul Greengrass for Captain Phillips, Steve McQueen for 12 Years a Slave, Alexander Payne for Nebraska, and David O. Russell for American Hustle. His I name can't. Right? Like, it's not perfect. His own movie. That's great. I never realized that. That's brilliant. I'm really going to look forward to every every um, reader that has to read out that nomination. It's his year. It's his year. It Mer- really is. American Hustle, David O. Russell. <laughs> perfect. I think that is spot on. There's really no one else contending. Maybe Scorsese for Wolf of Wall Street, but 
I think he's going to sit back this year. And they're also talking about, for a little bit, Lee Daniels for the Butler because he made a lot of noise with Precious a couple of years ago. But the Butler seems to have been really snubbed Completely at the Golden snubbed. Globes, which means that, sorry, Forrest, I think you're not going to make it this time. Maybe Lee Daniels doesn't have quite the same clout when it comes to a global awards, though. I think uh, the Butler is very American-centric, mm. which might have something to do with it, because the Butler did get a few representations, a few nominations at the SAG Awards, which we'll talk mm. about in a sec. Um, so we'll see if that really plays too much into it. Well, Lee Daniels did... Uh, he was highly independent a few years ago and the butler is like the polar opposite to what he used to be like it doesn't really feel like a lee daniels movie it is like a racial kind of commentary movie but it's it's oscar baity it's very oscar baity so maybe that's why the golden globes is like you know what we're not going to fall for that, dude. We finally got some mentions for August Asage County, which I have not seen any nominations for, but was a huge Tony Award winning play uh, back when it bro- premiered on Broadway. And I thought the film adaptation has got to have some nods. Like it's really got a lot of, you know, some of the best actresses in Hollywood and a lot of prestige behind it. So finally good to be seeing those nominations coming through. Meryl Streep for Best actor, uh, best Actress and uh, Julia Roberts for Best Supporting Actress. They're going for an EGOT. Yeah. <laughs> They're trying to get an Emmy, a Golden Globe, an Oscar and a Tony. I think Meryl will get a, yet another nomination and not win <laughs> and she'll just go, ah, again, again. She must have like a, a filing cabinet full of envelopes, full of nominations. <laughs> but her trophy cabinet, sadly empty. It's also good to see uh, Rush get a Best Picture nomination. Um, we thought that film might be swept aside with its early kind of release and, you know, the momentum of these other films coming out. So it's good to see Rush getting a bit of recognition at the yeah, end Yeah, it, it might mean if we've got 10 nominations that it will sneak in as one of the... It's not going to be in the top five, but if we have a larger Best Picture nominations for the Oscars, it'll probably sneak in. Yeah. Uh, but interestingly enough, Daniel Brühl, who plays Nicky Lauder in it, was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. Which, if you've seen the movie... You know, I'm trying to figure out who the lead is now. Formula One, maybe? The cars. The I, cars no, are the, the cars lead. The cars are the lead. I think Daniel Brühl's probably not famous enough to go for best actor because if we're looking for, at the best actor in a motion picture category for this year, uh, drama, of course. So Golden Globes are split into drama and musical or comedy, which gives everyone a bit of a chance. Which Everyone's I, got a chance. Which I, Globes. which I really like. It's a good thing to do. Um, but we've got uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor for Twelve Years a Slave, which is gonna. He's looking like he's gonna get um, the Oscar nomination for that as well. Um, Idris Elba for Mandela. Now I haven't heard much for the Mandela movie. But at all. You cannot ignore Mandela, can you? Not right now. So Tom Hanks for Captain Phillips, uh, Matthew McConaughey for Dallas Buyers Club, and Robert Redford for All Is Lost. It's a pretty tough category this year, so I do not blame our working title for going with Best Supporting for some Rush nominations. Mm. They're being clever. They're being very clever. And when it comes to your Best Actor in a motion picture for musical or comedy, uh, maybe Leo DiCaprio? Maybe could it be his year? He's Finally. a pretty boy. He's a pretty boy. Can he please get an Oscar? But please? he's a pretty boy in Wolf and Wall Street. He's like a, a rich pretty boy. So I don't know. 
this might not be his year. Maybe he's given up. And uh, lots of uh, buzz for Bruce Dern in Nebraska as well, which is quite a possibility. And Joaquin Phoenix in her might be a dark horse. We don't know. Not much has really come out about Spike Jones's latest movie yet. But um, American Hustle, again, Christian Bale. I don't know if this is his year, but... No, nah, he's going to get left out of this one, I think. American Hustle's going to get a lot of noms, though. Yeah, certainly. It's going to be nomin on the noms. Nomin on the noms. From nominees to winners, the American Film Institute has given out their best pictures for the year. So they've decided what their 10 favourite movies was. And it's it's a pretty much a good indication of what the Best Picture nominations at the Oscars will be because they've kind of gotten to a point where they're almost picking 10 for 10. Mm. Um, last year they picked 8 out of 9, only missing out on Amour because it was a foreign film and so it's not eligible for the American Film Institute Awards. Yeah. But, I mean, it looks like it's a solid list. It's got 12 Years a Slave, American Hustle, Captain Phillips, Fruitvale Station, Gravity, Her, Inside Lelwyn Davis, Nebraska, Saving Mr. Banks and The Wolf of Wall Street. Are there any that you think might, like, miss out? Or? Yeah, it's an interesting list. I think Fruitvale Station is probably not going to get the... Like get swapped out for something else. Yeah, I think Fruitvale Station probably won't really... Mm, you know, we'll get pipped at the final link. post. That's and, the weakest link. And it'll possibly be replaced by The Butler or Rush are kind of my thoughts. Because, I mean, all the rest, particularly when you look at the Golden Globe nominations, all the rest are kind of there. Yeah, it matches up very well with what everyone else is sort of talking about. So I feel like <laughs> we're just going to go blue in the face saying the same names over and over again. Yeah, American remember... Hustle, 12 Years a Slave. Yeah, 12 Years a Slave. Gravity. Gravity uh, Inside Lewin <laughs> Davis. Remember those titles because those are the ones we're going to be talking about and hammering on about for the next few months. We need to come up with acronyms or nicknames for them. <laughs> like, uh, oh, 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 Yeah, I'd do that now because that'd be kind of funny, but no, <laughs> we won't do that now. Uh, the SAG Awards have also, the SAG Award nominations have also come out. Uh, that stands for the Screen Actors Guild, which is the Screen Actors Union of Hollywood. Uh, they've just released their nominations, which is another big award indicator for the Oscars. Uh, Robert Redford, notably for All Is Lost, has been snubbed for a nomination. He didn't score one. Poor Redford. It is a little bit of like actors patting themselves on the back. So yeah. it's kind of, you know, there's, there's a whole different series of politics in the SAGs, I'm sure. Because Forrest Whitaker got a nomination uh, in the SAG Awards. Um, so Redford lost out, but Whitaker for the butler sneaked in. Mm. So it kind of flipped. Yeah, so those two, I think, are the interchangeable ones. They're the ones that we're going to sort of have to wait for the Oscar nominations to come mm. out before we actually find out who it's going to be. That's going to be a hard one to pick, I think. And the next few weeks will be kind of crucial in finding out who exactly is going to take that fifth spot. When it comes to performance by an actor in a supporting role, which I think is shaping up to be one of the more interesting categories for this mm. year, Barkhad Abdi from Captain Phillips, who played uh, Muse, told you. the Somali pirate in Captain Phillips. I told you he was going to get a niche nomination because he's so good. Nominated for the Golden Globe and for the SAG Award. Yeah. As well as Daniel Brühl for Rush. So it's looking like kind of a cemented nomination for both of those guys. I want to see Daniel Brühl take this. I'm going to get this out now. because <laughs> You're I, kind of biased, let's I'm admit biased. it. I'm biased. I've loved him since Goodbye Lennon. And, like, he's he's so good. And because he's German, he doesn't really quite get the appreciation that I think 
he should get. So it's nice to see him in an American movie where he's got a good chance. It's a fantastic, it's a really fantastic lineup because we've also got Jared Leto for Dallas Buyers Club, as we talked about last week, with his portrayal of a transgender woman with HIV. And that's been getting so much love on the award circuit. Especially acting circles. Mm, certainly. Uh, the really interesting award nomination here is James Gandolfini for Enough Said. That's a posthumous nomination. Enough Said is sort of a, is a, is getting a few quiet, like, mm. nods here and there. Like, there's talk about writing and all that sort of stuff and... Everyone loves Julia Louise Drivers. But yeah, but this is actually nice to see because he did pass away. So it is sort of nice to see a posthumous nod towards him, maybe an award. Yeah. I mean, he he was a great actor. He contributed a lot to the community. And I think it was probably, you know, it's a, it's a really nice to just kind of give him that recognition for a life's work. This could be one of those sort of things, even though he might not take it. Well, you know... <laughs> Prisoners, however, which was sort of uh, an early release as well, did not get any mentions whatsoever. Not in the Golden Globes or in the SAG Awards. It has been properly counted out. I think we can count out Prisoners, guys. So uh, if you hadn't seen it already, eh. The Screen Actors Guild Awards um, also don't really have like a best picture category, but they have basically given it to Dallas Buyers Club which is interesting. It's an ensemble cast award, and they've basically given it to Dallas Buyers Club, which does bode well for that movie yet again. I think Dallas Buyers Club is going to be a really big contender when it comes to those acting awards. Ticks all the boxes. It's an interesting contender. I'm really looking forward to catching that one. Now, on Australia Watch, how are our Australians doing in the Oscar race? Prisoners got no mentions at all in neither the SAG Awards or the Golden Globes. So Hugh Jackman... Probably out of it. Yeah, he's probably out of the race, guys. Which is unfortunate for Australia. (laughs) No, but Kate Blanchett is still leading the charge. We've got her. I think she's the favourite for Best Actress at this point as well, from what I've sort of been picking up. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of uh, Best Actress whispers around. But uh, not for Hugh Jackman, unfortunately, which I really want him to win something. Yeah, he won't win Best Actress, but, you know. (laughs) He seems like a nice guy, though. Give him a chance. (laughs) Now, the Academy has released the eligible films for Best Original Score. So this is not even the shortlist. This is actually a list of 114 movies that just satisfy, <laughs> like, the, you know... <laughs> the requirements. The requirements, the rules to get into the uh, Best Original Score category. Um, it does have a lot of the usual suspects. Danny Elfman, who did Epic and Oz, The Great and Powerful. Howard Shaw for The Desolation of Smog, the new Hobbit movie. Hans Zimmer has done millions of things. He did Man of Steel, Rush, 12 Years a Slave, and Randy Newman, of course. Um, Mm -hmm. It is interesting to look over the list and see how many people, uh, how much work composers do Mm. over the course of a year. So there's actually, it's mainly the same few names going back and forth over again. Yeah, they get a lot of of traction. I mean, Hans Zimmer writes the Oscar themes. Yeah, he does. He's actually in our intro, maybe. But it is interesting to see that there's a few independent kind of musicians sneaking in, a la Trent Reznor a few years ago, who won for The Social Network, which is very exciting and totally deserved. Really cool. As well as uh, Karen O when she did Where the Wild Things Are um, for Spike Jones a couple of years ago as well. Yeah, that's true. And so we've got actually a few bands in the mix this time, which I'd be really excited to see them getting 
a nomination or even a win. Mm. Um, M83, the French electronica duo, has gotten uh, in the short list, well, the long list rather, <laughs> has gotten in the long list for Oblivion. Arcade Fire has done a score for Spike Jones's Her. Mm-hmm. And my one that I want to see happen, Mike Patton. Mike goddamn Patton. <laughs> Excuse my French. For The Place Beyond the Pines, uh, which I just love him to death. He's like a... He's a type of deity to me, so I would really love to see him be at the Oscars. And, yeah, just, oh, I'm off with Clint now. <laughs> We've got to move on. It's just getting too hot I in love here. him. Um, also, Icelandic uh, Johan Johansson. This could be the only thing that uh, Prisoners could get. He is a, a nice independent musician and composer who did the score for Prisoners, so I would like to see that up there too. Yeah, it's always really cool when uh, rock stars get a little bit of recognition at the Oscars. But then again, Gravity by Stephen Price, who did the score for Gravity. Or lack thereof. It was pretty amazing though, so <laughs> I want to see that too. It will be excellent. Now, the shortlist is out for makeup and hairstyling. Uh, only three get nominated in this category. So it's uh, a tough race. Yeah. So out of the seven that have been nominated, or the seven on the shortlist, only three will actually get a nomination. Uh, it's a category where the odd films out can really make an impression. Uh, they don't have to be particularly popular. So this is where you'll find like a lot of strange yeah. kind of nominations. I think, yeah, Best Makeup is one of the most random yeah, it can kind be of categories. absolutely anything. The past, like over the past 10 years or so, some of the winners, and I'm not talking about people who have just been nominated or shortlisted, won the Academy Award. Lemony Snicket? Yeah. Uh, Narnia, The Witch, The Lion, The Wardrobe. Yeah. Like, the Wolfman, which made no impression other than makeup. Yeah, well, exactly. So it can be pretty much anything. But also The Iron Lady um, as well won mm. recently. So. so, I mean, best makeup is either about you aged an actor really, really well. Or Les Mis, Or you made yeah. a monster. Where you made Han- Anne Hathaway just hideous and mm-hmm. <laughs> crying. So the shortlist for this year uh, includes American Hustle, uh, Dallas Buyers Club, uh, the Great Gatsby, Hansel and Gretel, Catching Fire, Bad Grandpa, the Jackass movie. I wow. want to see that. <laughs> uh, and The Lone Ranger. So it'll be three out of there. I've... I really, I mean, I almost want it to be the three oddballs. I want it to be Hansel and Gretel, uh, Bad Grandpa and The Lone Ranger. <laughs> Just like, what? <laughs> I feel like it's going to be none of those movies. <laughs> I feel like it's going to be the other three. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be probably American Hustle and we're just going to talk American Hustle again. More American Hustle for David O. Russell. <laughs> that David O. Russell sure knows how to hustle. <laughs> In review with Nat and Jenny. Disclaimer. Due to unforeseen circumstances, I do actually know about Formula One. Um, yeah. Just be aware that I'm not another film nerd approaching Ron Howard's rush with the mentality of vroom vroom, what? More powerful than even the fear of death itself is the will to win. So... Rush tells the story of the famous Formula One rivalry of the 1970s between the Austrian driver Nicky Lauda and the British Chris Hemsworth. I mean, James Hunt. They were two people on polar opposites of the spectrum. Lauda was a calculating, hard-working, straight-edge driver, while Hunt was a hedonistic, devil-may-care risk-taker who loved the ladies. And in 1976, they were neck and neck in the championship race. Risk of death turns people 
amazing true story. And for those of you out there that are not fans of Formula One, you know what's going to come. But for those that aren't, well, let's just say motor racing can be dangerous and I'll leave you to experience the events as the film brings them to you. Or you could look it up on Wikipedia. Whatever. Look at the way he's driving like an old man. Right now, with zero incentive, why would I drive fast? Because I'm asking you to. This is a solid movie. Daniel Bruhl as Lauda and Chris Hemsworth are charming leads. The tension is ratcheted up steadily throughout the races and I think Ron Howard does a great job of weaving the rules of Formula One into the events so that nobody feels lost or left out. Everyone can enjoy it and everyone can get behind it. But I, here's the rub, it's a really solid movie. No, no, you heard me right. Ron Howard knows what he's doing. No, I do mean this as a, uh, a con, not a pro. He's really good at making solid movies, but that's the problem. He doesn't take risks anymore. His movies are great and well-executed, but they're never astounding anymore. They never leave me speechless walking out of the cinema. They're just so... Ron Howardy. So what did you think, Nat? No, I think it's really classy, though. For some reason, I really like the way Ron Howard makes movies. He just makes a nice, zipped-up, classy Hollywood movie, and you just come away going, hmm, that's just nicely done. It, I don't yeah. think there's anything wrong with a film just being very nicely done. But sometimes you just, you're just not taking anything with you, necessarily. You're like sort of like, that was good. And then you nod and you go on with your life and... I, I guess that, like, I always put the, my highest favourite movies, I always put, like, something that has affected me emotionally. I agree. Um, and Rush, while it is very f- effective and it is, like, an emotional story and it's incredibly well made, it, it, ha- it didn't, like, touch my cold heart <laughs> enough. <laughs> it didn't get to the centre of my icy heart. So I don't know if I will necessarily remember it. Mm. in, you know, 10, 15 years. Yeah, you're right. I think I think Howard is very much, uh, he's very conservative as a director. Exactly. He's conservative and he, he doesn't necessarily take big risks, um, but he does, you know, deliver a very classy He film. delivers, yeah. He and, delivers. And Rush is a very classy film. Uh, the acting is definitely the highlight of this and they're absolute powerhouse performances, uh, or particularly from Brawl who just really, you know, really embodies Louder so incredibly well. I think he's really, really incredible, and he's actually got a pretty good chance for the Oscar for You're this one. You're swooning now. I can see you swooning <gasps> over Daniel Brühl. No, it's more for Chris Hemsworth, but he's not in with a chance. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I was going to say, um, two powerhouse, maybe not necessarily for Chris Hemsworth because he was just kind of being himself a sexy half-naked man. Um, but, you know, that's fine too. <laughs> A charming Brit, pretty much. <laughs> a charming Aussie Brit. <laughs> <laughs> He's usually British in movies. Though, the you? action sequences in Rush are pretty damn fine as well. I quite, I mean, for people who watch Formula One like you and I, it's it's pretty <laughs> <laughs> sort of. I mean, what? Uh, it's it's really good to see, and I, I quite enjoy that they're not too. Um, the CGI is not too obvious or well, great. They, they did sort of a lot of practical kind yeah. of effects, like they recreated. A crash that I will not give away. <laughs> Recreated a crash that happens um, in the same spot and like practically. So that's probably a part of it is the CGI was a little, it's kind of minimal. It's probably more than we realise because <laughs> it always is. But that is actually another good point. I know since, you know, we've got it out there, Nat. We have Formula One in our lives. 
uh, and movies. We can have we have space now for both. So as we know that there was a lot of worry about from the Formula One community about how it will treat the sport, whether it will be another Driven, which was a movie that uh, <laughs> we don't like to talk about. Uh, that, yeah, it's uh, look it up on YouTube <laughs> if you want. That's pretty hilarious. Yeah, and motor racing hasn't had much of a treatment in big Hollywood film or in prestigious Hollywood film, I would say. Yeah, it's sort of like it's never really been done well. So that was that's what's nice about Rush is that it's a Formula One story that has been done very well and, mm. yeah, just executed finely. Yeah, put in the hands of a really, a really solid, like you said, director. Yeah, well, it is also interesting because I've, I mean, like looking at the sport, there is so many, like, you know, there's a million football movies, you know, NFL kind of movies and basketball movies and stuff. Um, Formula One has great politics to it. Mm. It has, like, great sort of... um, And action. Characters and and action. And, like, just look at how great the documentary Senna was. Mm. And high stakes because it is a dangerous sport. I... This is an aside. I accidentally looked up the 1977 uh, World Championship and I wish I hadn't because there was a horrific death in that one so like it is like it's a high stakes political sport so it's surprising that this is sort of the first movie that's done it well yeah it really lends itself to cinematic treatment now awards time this came out a little while ago so it's it's coming through in the award it's surprising that it is still kind of a big awards a bit of an awards contender I think it's slipped from people's memories and also I think a lot of people that are into film and are into sort of arts and stuff see a racing a motor racing movie and go Nah. <laughs> nah. So I think that, like, a, a lot of people just didn't see it. Mm. I think it didn't get as much um, appreciation when it first came out as it probably should have. I even had a friend that is um, in the film community who, like, put up a status a few weeks ago being like, why didn't see anybody see Rush? It was so good. <laughs> it was like, yeah, because filmmakers don't uh, associate with Motor racing, I guess. But it's really heartening to see Rush get a nod from the Golden Globes for Best uh, Picture Drama. Yes, it and, could sneak in there, I reckon. And for both SAG and uh, Golden Globes for Best Supporting Actor for Daniel Brawl as Nikki Lauda. So that's almost a given, actually. We can almost count on that for the Oscars, which would be really great because I'd like to see this film get at least one nomination. Yeah, we probably should start our For Your Consideration ads now, um, <laughs> Daniel Brawl for Best Supporting Actor. Just put them out there. Get them out there to the community. I think it's got a good chance of getting a few nods. Maybe no wins, but a few nominations. Last week we talked about the shortlist for Best Documentary Feature and how that has come out, and we're looking at the you know documentaries that are going to hone in on those last five nomination spots. Uh, What we didn't mention was there was one particular documentary that did actually get a lot of buzz but has been snubbed completely by the Academy and it's a documentary called Casting By and it's all about the role of the casting director and some legendary casting directors from Hollywood's history and how they've contributed to film overall and it made us have a think about casting as a category and as an awards category. Why doesn't casting get any recognition from the Academy? Well, it's interesting because, yeah, the movie is about casting directors sort of being snubbed from history. Yeah. Like the role of casting directors. Which has now in turn been snubbed yeah, for documentary. Yeah, and this documentary about has been snubbed. It's like a meta. It's happening to them in real life. <laughs> 
I, you know, I have been trying to think about it. I'm not exactly sure why casting directors don't get any recognition. Maybe people don't realise how important their role is or how much work they do towards, like, making up the cast. Because really, like, I guess people just assume that it's part of the director's role. But, I mean, half the cast, the director might not even have any real say in. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's I, because casting director, like best casting has been sort of put forward as an Oscar category a couple of times and constantly been rejected, constantly been shot down. We don't want to recognise casting. And perhaps maybe there are too many external factors at play, like an actor will drop out for financial reasons or other something else comes up and, you know, that's not necessarily that shouldn't necessarily reflect on the casting director or something like that. Mm. But, yeah, I don't really see why they don't get any recognition because it is quite a skill and quite an art form to be able to put together a really good cast. And part of their role is negotiating and putting, you know, these talents and these big egos together and making them work. (laughs) Maybe it's a bit too, like, businessy. Maybe that's what the problem is, is that the Academy Awards is trying to reward creative positions and they don't see casting as like, they see it as more as a negotiation. Yeah, more of a management role. Yeah, rather than somebody actually putting creative thought towards it. Yeah, I mean, it's similar to a category that was discontinued uh, all the way back in 1937 and that was a category called uh, Best Assistant Director. Uh, the assistant director is kind of a pretty important person, you know, does things like the call sheets and the shot lists and, you know, all the organisational day-to-day running of a shoot. They basically manage the entire shoot. You know, they're the set manager. They are the communication between the director to the DP to the, you know, casting to the costumes, everything. Yeah, and that is a really important role. And those guys deserve an Oscar. But what they've kind of said about why that was broken down... Uh, was because firstly, assistant director is now kind of in a multitude of roles: first AD, second AD, third AD. Um, but also second, second AD, <laughs> second, actually. second AD. Yeah. Um, but also that it's hard to see the contribution of an AD in a screener and for your consideration video. You don't really quite know, or can quite quantify or judge who was a better AD, who did a better job ADing. And I suppose casting director is kind of similar to that, in that you don't really get to see just by watching the film, how much they really contributed to the process. Yeah, that's probably true. You can't sit down and watch a film and go, you know what, that AD managed that set perfectly. (laughs) Because, I mean, like, look at Apocalypse Now. That's a classic film, but it was also a classic disaster of a set. So that AD probably didn't deserve an award. Nope. But you'd watch the film and go, like, wow, this is amazing. So it is sort of hard to... I mean, yeah, how would you pick a casting director? And if it would be just nominations for ensemble cast surely it'd be like well this had the most number of lead actors so the butler would win or like Mm. you know and it's like and you know do you get awarded for managing to pick to get all of these a-listers together or do you get an award for choosing the most appropriate cast and then you're right should that be an ensemble cast award instead which recognises the efforts of the actors not the person who put them all together yeah or finding a nobody you know finding Covergene Wallace in you know the backwoods of Louisiana like is that a casting director award so it, it would be far too difficult to sort of manage 
But on a similar note, category for casting has been rejected. Something else that has been rejected from 1991 to 2012 is stunts, Mm. an award for stunts or a stunt man. And we have talked about this before, but every single year stunts gets rejected. And that is something that you can physically see in the film. But I think the reason they don't go with stunts either is because it doesn't apply to every film. And I think what you can see with the Academy Awards is they kind of hone their categories and they and they cut out superfluous categories and they create new categories is just trying to get the most kind of even general spread across the board where anything could win. Not everything, not anything does win. And we can talk about <laughs> how much comedies and horror movies and genre films get snubbed by the um, Academy Awards, but anything could possibly win. You could argue, though, and we did talk about this briefly, that visual effects is not in every movie. No, um, that's true. And makeup so, doesn't really apply to every movie. Yeah, either. exactly. So it's you could argue that, like, really, there there could be stunts. You know, stunts uh, can be something as little as just, like, one thrown punch, um, which wouldn't get an award. But, <laughs> but it is kind of heartbreaking that they continually get rejected. Yeah, um, and title design is another... Um, a category that is constantly being rejected. And title design, a lot of films put a lot of effort into really good title design. So it's a shame that that sort of isn't really considered as an awards category either. And that's something that is uh, across the board, like you said. Exactly. It that is one that applies movie. to every movie, <laughs> unless, except for like the Dogma 95 films or whatever. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they like rejected the idea of titles. They rejected everything about filmmaking <laughs> though, so... So what are some interesting discontinued categories from the history of Oscars? Well, I think uh, there are a couple that only existed in the first Oscars because they were still trying to figure out what the Oscars were all about. So. They just wanted to give awards to their friends. <laughs> Isn't that what the Oscars is still about? Um, old white men. One of the old ones is uh, best title writing. So, I mean, obviously that existed in 1927 when there were lots of silent films. But it was kind of like the end of the silent film era. Like the jazz singer had come out by 1927. So silent films were kind of on their way, on their way out. So understandable that that was only nominated, only an award once <laughs> and never again. Uh, also unique and artistic production versus outstanding picture. These were both awards in the very first Oscars. And, you know, I suppose I think unique and artistic production was more desired than outstanding picture. But they kind of mean the same thing. They do mean the same thing. <laughs> I guess one is sounds a bit more like... Indie. Indie, yeah. Even but, though indie film didn't... Or was everything in indie film back then? I don't know. There were studios back then. They were just silent studios. That's true. Um, But both of those were only uh, present at the 1927 Oscars. Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans took out unique and artistic production uh, and Wings took out an outstanding picture. Wings also only was the only thing to win engineering effects. Engineering effects is just a really early incarnation of... Visual effects. Visual effects, yeah. Uh, and it became special effects in nineteen in the 70s and then just turned into visual effects later. Of everything, like CGI, whatever you need. So it's always been recognised, that kind of award, and can be recognised in, yeah, war movies, action movies, all kinds of movies. See, that's one that anyone can win too. <laughs> Thank you very much. Jeez, I didn't realise that the Academy Awards were such, like, you know, diplomatic... I know, so diplomatic. (laughs) Anyone can win. So there have been awards in the past that have been 
purely for particular genres that they've shed over the years. So, for example, Dance Direction used to be an award from 1935 to 1937. That kind of made sense back then because there were a lot of musicals. In fact, most movies were musicals back then. Um, And so awarding choreographers was a pretty decent thing to do. Um, But then that kind of died after musicals kind of came went out of vogue um also include we also had best adapted score and best comedy or musical score so the academy awards have kind of bandied about with how to reward music of different kind of genres and musicals and that kind of thing but i think they've sort of stripped all that back to really just go let's not divide it by genres let's not you know categorize by genre just anyone can get anything Mm. Which I think makes more sense. Make it broader. One of the other rejected categories or discontinued categories, and for good reason too, uh, was the Juvenile Award. A Juvenile Award was like a strange kind of honorary honorary award. So they didn't give it out like every year, like a proper category. But just every so often when a kid did a really good job in a movie, <laughs> they'd like give them a statuette. And it was like a half-size statuette. Like it was like seven That's inches. Cute. That's cute though. That was cute. It happened because like when Jackie Cooper was nine years old, he was nominated for um, his performance in the Best Actor category uh, in 1931. And of course, didn't win because he was like a nine-year-old versus all these um, big name, <laughs> big actors. And then they were like, oh, well, kids do good jobs in movies. We should give them their own category. Um, and so, I mean, some famous winners were like Shirley Temple won one when she was six years old. Uh, Judy Garland won a few. Um, Hayley Mills was the last winner for Pollyanna um, before they discontinued in the, the award in 1960 because they thought, well, actually they do a pretty good job, those kids do, <laughs> on the same level as um, adult actors. And now we can see that kids are still being nominated in the full, in the proper categories for, even from last year. But if one of them won in a proper category, how would you feel about that? Like if Well, um, it did it did happen back in um oh, 1993 with the piano. Yeah. With um How old was she though? Anna Parkin was 9 years old when she won best supporting actress. I think if I was, you know, like especially like last year where they had the the eldest nominee <laughs> and the youngest nominee in the same category for best actress. If I was the eldest nominee, Emmanuel Riva, and uh, say it again, Quivergene. Quivergene Wallace <laughs> won. I think I would just be like, you know what? I have been acting <laughs> for 60 years. <laughs> yeah. What? What has just happened? And that's why, like, retro awarding happens and also... That's why they gave it to Jennifer Lawrence. They would have answered it. Yeah. They just wanted to find, like, a median (laughs) age. 23, perfect. 23. That's the age for you. Um, Awards that I would like to see come back, maybe, or be included. Uh, I do like title design. I think that's a really great idea. But not every movie, like, tries at title design. (laughs) So maybe that's why they don't bother with it. Doesn't suit every movie, I think, to do, like, big fancy titles no no um and I would like to see stunts get in there because that's fair they they do hard work they deserve it but for the moment I think that the the academy awards have it pretty correct I think it would almost be nice because there's like a an academy awards that happens on the lowdown like a week before and that's for a lot of like technical awards that they think that nobody can be bothered sitting through at an actual ceremony so they do it like the mm. week before and put all the technical stuff there like uh so more more of the technical stuff 
you know, which might seem a bit sort of questionable, like title design or whatever could be put in that earlier Academy Awards. And stunts could be there, even though I think stunts would be a really fun thing to present at a ceremony because they could do, like, examples of the stunts throughout the night. That'd be amazing. Why why not stunts? I think Why not? I think publicity and marketing could afford to get a bit more recognition as well, but they have their own awards too, so... Like the trailer, there are trailer awards um, and there are like poster awards and that kind of thing. Um, it'd be nice for that to be recognised by the Oscars, particularly um, given how effective and how important publicity and marketing is to a film's success, particularly in the Academy Awards, really. It'd be almost nice to see a juvenile, like, uh, its own little version, like an mm. Academy Award, a little Academy Awards. But I suppose there aren't enough kids actually in movies and making movies and stuff to to really warrant having a little Academy Awards. But it'd be cute. Yeah, it'd be I think super it, cute. I think another cool category would be Best International Film as yes. opposed to Foreign yes. Language. Let's call it Best International Film instead and say it doesn't have to be Foreign Language. There we go. Then there some go. good British and Australian movies can actually get nominated for something. And that brings us to the end of the show and with sad news because Peter O'Toole has passed away in mm. 81. Lawrence of Arabia is gone, everybody. Very sad news and he was actually a pretty boy that got nominated eight times for Best Actor at the Academy Awards and never won. So you know what? Today, Peter, I'm going to give you Best Actor. It's for you, Peter. You're our best actor. <laughs> That's right, Peter. <laughs> we'll catch you next week. If you want to hit us up, head to facebook.com forward slash Oscar Bait podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com forward slash Oscar dash bait. Or you can email us if you've got anything to say, anything you want to contribute, oscarbaitpodcast at gmail.com. We will see you next time. Or, well, you'll listen to us next time.